Welcome to Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. I'm Jackson. And I'm Sam. We'll be chatting all about Grey's Anatomy Season 3, Episodes 22 and 23, which served as the backdoor pilot for private practice. These episodes aired back-to-back on May 3rd, 2007. Both were written by Shonda Rhimes and directed by Michael Grossman. Shall we begin? Yes, let's dive on into our recap of our very first two episodes. So I think a good way to start this is by telling the story of Addison's journey from her introduction on Grey's Anatomy up to this episode for those of our listeners who have not seen Grey's Anatomy. Sam, can you lead us through that since I know you took beautiful notes? I drew a full diagram of this. Okay, so Derek and Addison lived in New York. Derek Shepard. Sorry, yes, Derek Shepard. I knew his middle name at one time, but that has escaped me. But Derek and Addison also known as McDreamy and Addison. For those of you who remember that early 2000s Mick phase. Anyway, they lived in a beautiful brownstone on Central Park West. Derek McDreamy and Mark Sloan McSteamy were best friends. Addison started an affair with Mark Sloan. Derek found out very abruptly and Derek fled to Seattle there he met Meredith they had a thing for yes oh my god thank you Jackson you're welcome (laughs) I just assume that everybody's on a first name basis like I am um Derek Shepard and and Meredith Gray started up their thing And Meredith didn't know about Addison, didn't know that Derek was married, didn't know anything through all of season one. And then there is an iconic scene at the end of season one where Addison comes in in this red, finger-waved, beautiful hairstyle, this giant fur coat. It's raining outside. Oh, my God. You need to look it up. I don't think we can insert a clip here. No, but it's the season finale of Act One— The season finale of season one of Grey's Anatomy, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And she, Derek sees Addison and says to Meredith, I'm so sorry. And she's like, for what? And then she turns around and she says, oh, I'm Addison Shepard. And Meredith goes, Shepard? I hope we don't get copyrights for my dramatic reading. (laughs) And, And Addison says, you must be the girl who's been sleeping with my husband. And then... Iconic. Yes. Blackout. Make us wait the whole summer. We didn't have Netflix to just say next episode. We had to wait a whole four months. Anyway. Fast forward season three. Addison and Mark have decided that they're going to try to make it work. Um, Meredith is now with Derek. Very off and on. But, you know, this isn't a Meredith and Derek podcast. Glad it's not, honestly. Um, anyway, Addison and Mark have this bet that they can't be single for, is it 60 days? For not very long. Seeing as we've been in quarantine for six months, very single. Doesn't seem like too long. Anyway, Alex Karev um, and Addison have a, have a soiree, not a soiree, whatever. They hook up in a utility closet. 
Mark sees them leaving, knows what happens. But then he goes up to Addison and says that he is the one who couldn't wait 60 days to be with her, who couldn't wait for 60 days to be with no one, even though he has been perfect and waiting for her when he didn't have to, and she's the one who couldn't wait. So that's basically reason number one she goes. Reason number two is that there was this big race for chief in season season three. It was between Derek Shepard, Mark Sloan, uh, Preston Burke, Addison, Montgomery Shepard, and I think that's all, right? I think that's all the major uh, attendings we had at that point, so it must be. It's this big thing in the season finale of season three of, like, Richard Weber, the chief, explaining who didn't get it, who did get it, like, basically, but Richard stays chief. Another important thing that I feel is to mention that this is after the ferry crash. So we have um, quite a recurring character known by many names right now. I think we're calling her Jane Doe still? Yeah, yeah. It's still Jane, it was still Jane Doe in this episode. I did take note of that. Assuming, dear listeners, that you have been watching with us, you'll know who we're talking about. If not, just look up Jane Doe, Grey's Anatomy. You should be fine. She's a very interesting character who we go on a very long journey with. Yes, very, very long. I still think she's in the picture in season 16, but I'm wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's your first note, Jackson? Well, my first note, let me pull these up. They're in a different window. Wow, Ellen Pompeo is so young because this was 13 years ago. We've we've been on this journey with Meredith for such a long time. She's still in her intern year in this episode, which is just wild to think about. Do you have something of more substance, Sam? Yes and no. Um, sea Lion is a bop. That is the song that's playing at the beginning. I know this because I have, it's either the first three or the four seasons soundtracks of Grey's Anatomy still on my iPod. Going back to the opening scene, we're setting the theme. Grey's Anatomy is known for having a monologue opening every episode. I don't know if this is a thing on private practice because I've not seen it yet, but we'll find out next week. Uh, but that I'm not going to read the whole monologue, but the end of it really sets us up for this episode. If we're human, we immediately start dreaming of something else, referring to when our dreams come true and, you know, is this is this it? And then we see Addison suddenly, red hair blowing in the wind, driving down the coast, bright red car matching the hair, just a totally different visual image from this gray, gloomy Seattle we've got, right, about seeking a dream of something else. She might not really know why, but she has this, she knows there's a dream um, outside of Seattle. We've got this rock star music. We've got the ocean. Addison is in her element. It is so funny that you saw it that way because being a woman, girl, whatever, with long hair, I felt Addison 
in such a visceral way in this first section because when you have long hair a convertible is not really a fun place to be because it doesn't just go no it doesn't go straight back and like flow in the wind I saw it like getting in her hair her have to like putting it all to the side I just saw her fumbling and it was so funny and she like couldn't drive the stick shift and it was hilarious and she was trying to be cool yes oh my that was what I I see a lot of myself in Addison a lot of the time and I was like oh god this is me and like what I have another note here that like when she steps out of her car and she tries to take off her jacket and she's just fumbling that is a hundred percent me I am never glamorous I am never graceful I try to be both glamorous and graceful it doesn't always work out but at least in public most of the time it does yeah um, before, I have a quick note right before we go to California there's a scene yes. with Mark and Derek and Weber and yes, Ma- Mark is so concerned about where Addison went I have three hearts and a marry me mm. I yes. love I love him and Derek said to Mark what did you do Mark didn't do anything Derek is gaslighting him and it is so rude um, later in the sec- in the episode, we're going to have a section called Sam's Style, I believe it's called. This is not my official, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not my official recommendation, but I would like everyone to note her peep toe, Addison's peep toe pumps at two minutes and 21 seconds. It is a peep toe pump. I believe it is patent leather. Very 2007, might be a platform. Peep toe platform patent leather pumps so we are now in los angeles we're entering oceanside wellness a co-op featuring many different medical specialties i wish that it existed in real life so do i but in new york instead and like also maybe with different doctors (laughs) and addison gets in the elevator and there is a magical voice in the elevator commenting back to her interacting with her a voice with no body the elevator god and it just really made me smile was it really necessary to have no but it was a nice bit of comedy that had nothing to do with sex which seems to be what 99% of the humor in this episode stemmed from which is good it's just a lot so it was nice to have a little something different especially so early on yeah. Also, I just want to note that the outside even of Oceanside Wellness is a dark building, whereas Seattle Grace Hospital is a white building, and they just did a lot to differentiate Grace from private practice, down to the fact that everybody in private practice wears normal clothes, everybody in Grey's Anatomy wears scrubs. They just make a whole lot of um, just juxtapositions for the two shows. Mm-hmm. I also have a note that we meet Dr. Pete Wilder in the elevator for the first time. Yes, we do. And he has his jacket on. And that jacket becomes almost a character in the show. It's not something that you need to focus on too much. It was just when I saw that jacket, I was like, oh, my heart went pitter-patter. And then we meet Naomi and we meet Maya. And I would like to say that it is not Audra and it is not the girl who plays Maya later. No, it is Marin Dungy as Naomi. Yes. And we're going to hear more about her later. And at the same time, we also meet Del, the receptionist, who I call Zac Efron. <laughs> Doesn't it look like like old school yeah. Zac Efron from his high school musical days? 
it and it's it's 2007 so it's very much like that was the look that that bieber hair i also say that naomi is not being a good friend being like so shocked but not in a good way that addison is there but also why is addison and coming unannounced like exactly i i have a thought on this sam would you feel comfortable paying a surprise visit to someone you have been actively ghosting for a year i would not absolutely not i would be terrified and i would be terrified that they would treat me the way naomi did uh (laughs) yeah yeah we didn't talk about our medical cases Addie wants a baby susan gray has hiccups in seattle and bellamy young has a knee injury oh and then there's that surrogate but i have i have a lot of notes on that later i call them the mama mia trio (laughs) (laughs) next we meet violet and cooper yes and i feel like this happens really fast it does. I was like, okay, they're people. I don't really know a lot about them. I guess we will later. Yeah. So, Sam, back in the day, 2007, I was not yet watching Grey's Anatomy live. I started a few years after that. I don't know the exact date, but I know I was not up to date at this point in Grey's Anatomy history. But I had a thought that if I were watching Grey's Anatomy live at this point, I think I would have gotten a little annoyed with this episode going back and forth between the two locations, Seattle and Los Angeles, so often. Yeah, I like that we're having these juxtaposed ideas with each, visually, energetically, but that also made it feel like I was watching two completely different shows, which, I mean, I guess we are. Um, But I'm wondering... If this had happened now, if season 16 had been when we created this spinoff, I wonder if they would have done a standalone episode in Los Angeles where Addison was the only series regular. Because now Grey's Anatomy does more standalone episodes like that. Like Levi's uncle dying, the dinner with Richard. Yeah, things like that. The I jail. Want the jail. I'm wondering if that's the approach they would have taken these days. And I wonder if I would have been... Because I enjoyed, I enjoyed it, but I wonder if I would have been more all in if that had been the case. I don't know. We'll never know. I remember being very confused at the time because it wasn't announced that private practice was going to be like a thing. So I thought maybe they would just have part L.A., part Seattle, just like in season two. I think it's season two, whenever the drowning episode is, I was absolutely convinced. No, that would have to be season three. After the drowning episode, I was convinced that Meredith was just going to be dead and they would have like a dead section of the <laughs> of the hospital and an alive section. Like I was convinced that that's how it was going to be. So I think at this time I thought so. But I was excited because Tay Diggs was in it. Right. Tay Diggs was a Broadway star as well. Yeah. So I knew, I knew that the like recording of Rent but I knew Tay Diggs face from the Rent movie which had already been out and it was fresh in my mind because it was two years earlier so I was still excited nonetheless and I was very excited that his name was Sam because I said oh my goodness this is going to be a Grey's Anatomy show all of my favorite characters are going to be saying my name there's a scene later which I will talk about when when Mark says something like where would Addison have gone and 
Derek's or like what's in LA and Derek says oh well Naomi and Sam are in LA and I was like oh I am (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness Addie and Sam's chemistry is a hundred it was it's so good I also have a note you and I have both worked on film sets and tv sets have I no Oh, you have? Okay. Well, I have, I've, I've worked on a good amount of TV sets and a good amount of film sets. And the art department is so underrated. The art department works so hard and does so much. And I just want to know that those business cards on the reception desk have Sam's name on them and have Violet's name on them. So the art department, I just want to give a big shout out to them because they did a great job. A little bit later, we have um, the, what I'm, fondly maybe fondly calling the pregnancy pentagon yes i call it the mama mia story yes and they are referring to this in a way that would not fly at all today i will um just say a couple things that they said in their meeting about the situation okay insatiable sexathon she really gets around super freak and sex crazed And then about one of the potential fathers, they say that was before he decided he was gay. Yep. None, none of which would fly today. Nope. Product of the time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, um, not Naomi, Addison says she hasn't had any prenatal care. And nobody else, like that should be the first thing out of everyone's mouth. But Addie says that like. I don't know, a little bit later. I'm like, prenatal care is not an issue for this baby that was planned. Sam, to me, Naomi seems to be the voice of reason in Los Angeles. Would you agree? She's very sensible. To me, does not really fit this Los Angeles stereotype and seems more of an East Coast presence. And I'm really digging it. She is spilling the tea on babies and fertility. She has a monologue in the kitchen speaking to Addison about how she did everything the way she was supposed to. And yet here she is divorced and unhappy. And wow, it was just chilling. A beautiful, devastating scene. And I just really fell in love with her during that scene I really felt for her and ended up rooting for her throughout both of these episodes I was absolutely team Naomi in Los Angeles (laughs) team Naomi LA if you didn't know that Audrey McDonald also six-time Tony winner as of now could be more soon um that she was going to be Naomi I I want to like if you didn't know that, like if you were not Jackson Klein, knew everything about theater that there was to know, when we go to the first actual episode of Private Practice in the Private Practice feed, I wonder if, like, how would you feel if the Naomi that you knew was not the Naomi then? Because I think a lot of people had that, had that feel of like right. really liking Naomi. Because I thought she was a wonderful actress. If I had watched this in 2007... I think I might have had a different reaction, but as an adult in show business, I do a lot of children's theater and a lot of talkbacks with these kids. And whenever I'm asked for advice, I talk about how any piece of entertainment is a giant puzzle and there might be five people at the exact same level of talent 
in for the same job, whether it be an acting role, a director role, etc., but only one is going to be the perfect puzzle piece that the leader of the team needs to fulfill that vision. And sometimes that's just the way it works out. You try one and it's not the fit you need. So I would have, I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. I don't think, I, I might, again, I might have been a little disappointed, but I think I'd be like, that's showbiz kid. Also, Audra's a queen. So how could you not? Love that as well. Yes. There's a scene on the iconic Santa Monica Pier coming up. And have you seen that meme of like the pink Barbie house and the super black house right next to each other? No, I've not. My cousin and my person, as Grey's Anatomy will know, my person, um, my cousin Caitlin lives in Southern California and I was there last summer, was supposed to go this summer, obviously did not happen. Um, and we took a walk on Santa Monica. It's not quite the pier. I don't know what to call it. It's like the the cliff of Santa Monica and that's where Sam and Pete were walking. And that is right where that pink house and that black house is. I will put a picture of this on our Instagram so that we can we can have a um a, a visual marker of what I'm talking about. I think you'll know awesome. when you see it. But anyway, Sam is walking a dog. The tiniest dog ever. And I don't think we ever see that dog again. Huh. Yeah. Something about Grey's Anatomy and animals just, like, doesn't mix. Like, Doc in Grey's, he's there for, like, three episodes. This dog never comes back. I don't think there are any other dogs. They're, like, nobody has pets. I guess it makes sense because they're doctors and very busy. Right. Maybe the dog got hit by a car. Oh, God. R.I.P. There were a couple of months before Addison comes back to town. Yeah, yeah. It might have been a senior, a senior dog. Or maybe, maybe he gave it away to a loving family. Who knows? Then another thing that would not be said today is Sam says to Pete that Addie is not the type of woman you have. Like what? I don't, these characters aren't as misogynistic as they're sounding in this episode. Right. And that entire scene, the car scene outside with sexy boobs 316 and turning a man crying into a joke for the audience. Yes. It was all so very gendery 2007 yeah we can't really fault them for that because that was the way things were in that era is it necessarily right no and is it a little hard to watch those moments now very much so but you know it's a art is a product of the time in which it was created exactly so funny how stigmatized online dating is in this show and when right. I when I rewatched this at the beginning of the pandemic I noticed that as well and like yes Cooper on, is on a very specific type of dating site but just online dating in general was so stigmatized and I remember even at the beginning of college when I was in college which would be like 2011-2012 um, it was so stigmatized like nobody had tinder nobody had I don't even think Bumble existed. Nobody had any of those things. And now, like, if you don't have a dating profile. Anyway, I just thought it was very funny yeah. to note how stigmatized it is. And that that will continue. I don't think that's a spoiler for yes. you. But, like, you can probably tell that Cooper's going to be continuing on this online dating thing. Yes. So around the end of part one, we find out that Addison is out of time for a baby. This dream has sailed. Her acting is impeccable. Also, she has a royal blue dress on that I was obsessed with, and I got a dress just like it that I think is still in the closet of my parents' house. 
that I loved and I wore all the time and I still wear a lot of royal blue because of this dress before that though she doesn't she doesn't have a green juice but she she's holding a green apple and she looks beautiful holding that green apple I also have a note that the chemistry of this cast is remarkable it really is yeah it's absolutely remarkable there's a scene with Mark and Alex in Seattle. This episode is just all about how in love I am with Mark Sloan. And um, I don't think that that's the product of the time. I think that that is just, you know, my truth. But this yeah. is really just because in this episode, in these two episodes, Mark is so just caring and loving. And most people, he was he's there as a foil to Derek, right? Derek is supposedly this caring loving charismatic tall dark and handsome man who's a brain surgeon and he's so like focused and he's so everything but Mark comes in and is like this biker man and he's he has light hair even and he's a plastics and all this stuff and he he is there to be a foil to Derek and therefore since Derek is so loving and is so sensitive mark is supposed to be more harsh and more like hit it and quit it right right but he's not especially in this episode he's absolutely not he cares about addison he's worried that she's hurt she's he's worried that something is wrong he's yeah i think i think she he he literally says something like has anyone heard from her like she could be injured he is worried about her because he loves her. And later, this is a spoiler for Grey's Anatomy, so maybe go forward a little bit. Later, he is with Callie and has a baby with Callie. And then he's with Lexi. So he has other women in his life. But I really think that he and Addison would have been magical together. Absolutely magical together. <sighs> but there's a scene where he is with Dr. Alex Rev, who's on his service that day. And Mark is like being extra hard on him but mark is generally hard on alex but basically just to be like what did you do to her and he didn't do anything well alex i mean he kind of did but like anyway alex is like no i don't want to be with you but the focus here is on mark (laughs) and even up until now about we've seen a side of mark that has been you know just harder is the word that i'm thinking of just like more rough And in this episode, I think we're seeing a side of Dr. Mark Sloan that is really heartwarming. I just have one more note about this episode. Violet in the supermarket is a quarantine mood. Yes. Oh, my God. I gasped when she ate the grape. I'm such a rule follower. Oh, yeah. You texted me. And I, I had just texted you to say I'm so interested to see what you've picked up on because I feel like what I've picked up on is not what you've picked up on. And you said the thing about the grape, and I didn't even notice that she had eaten a grape. So that is so funny that you said that. And Alan's wife, Cammy, is beautiful. I can just tell you that, like, we don't see her again. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think we would. Oh, and just a quick note that Mama Burke is played by Diane Carroll. Rest in peace. Yes. And she's just incredible. I have a note in here that at the end of this episode, there is the song is Turpentine by Brandy Carlisle. Love and her. it is another one of my favorite songs of all time. And just the way that it's used is beautiful. I still listen to it. Mm. 
So we head straight into part two, which aired back to back with part one. They were not separate weeks. And as a result, no monologue. We head right into Oceanside Wellness in Los Angeles. Yes. My first note is where is their HR department? Correct. Are we talking about the surfer scene? Oh, absolutely. Why is Dell in the office in his surfing clothes? And why are they saying inappropriate comments about him too? All of it is just so – it would never happen in a real office. No. There are two things that I'm thinking about for that. Number one is that when Addie got out of her car, we can see the beach. So my guess is that this is a beachside office, so it's easier for him to just go straight there and come back than to, like, bring a bag. Right. Um, And the them making comments thing is that I think that, like, the cougar thing was really big in mm-hmm. this time period. It's the only thing that I can think of. Is it acceptable? No. But it's a product of the time. It is. It is. Um, I have, uh, yes, Bieber hair, I say, as we talked about before. Um, my additional medical, like, patient thing, I wrote Ava, even though we're calling her Jane Doe, bunch of fairy crash stuff, brain bleed. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened there. Early on in part two, Pete prescribes acupuncture to Addison as a way to give her, quote, a rush of emotion, a release of psychic pain, end quote. Maybe we all need acupuncture right now, Sam. I literally said I could use this emotion rush right now. (laughs) Same. And I thought Kate Walsh's acting as Addison in this scene is just chilling. She says, I'm not going to feel anything. It's not going to work. Blah, blah, blah. I don't need to release anything. And she just keeps saying, I don't feel anything as we see her begin to release this pain and have this breakdown and it's just chilling and very effective and i just want to reference that pete gave us a crucible reference he said what are you going to tell are you going to tell goody proctor you saw me with the devil we love an arthur miller reference and also acupuncture doesn't hurt like that's what i've heard i've never had it but i want it my aunt is an acupuncturist and she's incredible and the only thing that has like kind of hurt is i broke my foot actually both of my feet at different times but anyway I was down seeing my aunt and there's there's normal acupuncture which is in for like a couple minutes and then it's gone and it does work it's incredible and um but there's another thing that like there was a small it it looked like a tiny earring that like corresponds to where my foot would hurt and that went in and that was like like a, a pinch more like it felt like 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 a pinch it wasn't it didn't hurt it still didn't hurt though but right. acupuncture doesn't hurt at all huh good to know a little bit later violet says my profession is becoming irrelevant when she finds out that her patient is actually has like a something physical yeah there's a physical abnormality that's going on um and she says my profession is becoming irrelevant and i just want to like violet just wait until the late 2010s when therapy is yeah. like cool Yeah. Oh, yeah. On that note, Bellamy Young plays the wife of the man with the tumor lowering his sex drive. And she takes us on such a journey with her shift when she finds the news of this tumor. You know, she had all these thoughts about him, this anger, this urge to go seek sexual pleasure elsewhere because he's not giving it to her. 
and then realizing that it's not his fault and becoming so moved with her love for him and then trying to figure out with the help of Violet how she can love and support him because it's still going to be hard after everything they went through as a couple as a result of this lack of information. And I thought she was just really wonderful in that scene. And then she booked a series regular on the next Shonda show. Good for her. I know. That's how you know someone's good to work with is if they get another another role with the same director or the same writer. Ugh. We next have the first official baby of the season. It got so Grey's Anatomy with our surgery moment. I was like, yes, Beach intensity. Beach houses and babies. We have the first baby. Um, and it's dramatic. There's a hemorrhage. It's no good. I said... Addie to the greedy people is me as a doctor. I'll be like, they'll be like, I don't, I don't know. They'll say something like, oh, what's going on? What's happening? Addison basically is like, the baby's stable, lost a lot of blood. But they're asking about like, they're just being greedy. Yeah. Very selfish people. Yes. And Addison puts them in their place. A little bit. Later when Addison has her little breakdown in Naomi's office, she said that she's been wasting time on men. Addison Forbes Montgomery, formerly Shepard, is a double board certified surgeon in neonatal and OBGYN. She doesn't, she hasn't wasted her her time on men, like, First of all, she was married to an incredible guy, had an affair with another incredible guy, which, like, yes, affairs are bad. But also, it's not like you're with terrible people. Right. First of all, they just it just didn't work out. Everything happens for a reason. What's meant for you will not pass you by. Right? Yeah. And that's the journey that we're going to go on with Addison for these next six, seven seasons is, is to know that what's, you know. But when she said she's wasted her time on men, I was like, Addison, you are – a double board certified surgeon like no she's she's perfect she's just perfect violet and cooper are very much like supposed to be george and izzy mm-hmm. i think that that was at their inception what they were supposed to be but they're just not that scene near the end um where we're going back and forth between addison and sam talking about the divorce and cooper and violet talking about rejection was when I was like, oh, they're trying to make Cooper and Violet happen. Um, and on that note, that's It's scene, not going to happen. It's not. Um, mean Girls. Yes. And on that note, on that, that scene note, I, found I found very refreshing, very refreshing to have these to have this vulnerable, vulnerable moment, moment with these four characters who we've not, not seen, seen quite. I mean, quite yes, we've seen a, you know intimate moments with them, but not on that level up until this point near the end of part two. Um, and it really, it got me invested in those who I hadn't cared about as much up until that point and that moment. Whereas earlier, I was really like, Addison, Naomi. Um, and then I was like, oh, okay, Sam, Cooper, Violet, I feel you. Awesome. I'm ready. I'm ready for the journey. I will say that when they're at the nursery, Sam goes for Naomi's hand, goes to have like an intimate touch moment with her. After Sam has chosen to leave this marriage. Yeah. Like, Sam, you don't get to leave your marriage and say, "Mm, nah, I'm not interested. And then try to hold your wife's hand. Try to hold your ex-wife's hand when he's not going to go. 
you can tell that he's not gonna go back with her. At the end, when Addie is leaving in her convertible, her hair is more under control and she can drive the car. So that is opposite to the beginning when her hair was a mess and she couldn't see anything and she couldn't drive the car. Well, do you think Addison drives in Seattle? Probably not. She goes on the ferry. Right. So she's not as experienced of a driver. So that's maybe why No, but it's a, it's, it's a stick shift. That's the issue. So as opposed to an automatic. So I love that these episodes are bookmarked with, almost bookmarked, not quite, with these elevator scenes with Addison, right? In the beginning, this anxious energy, chatting it up with Pete, Tilly commenting on her. And then at the end, Addison and Pete are in the elevator again, but we're a little more settled in, right? She's... She doesn't know it herself yet, but she's now ready to make this leap to this new dream that's forming in her in her mind. And I really like that. And just Tilly, the elevator god, what a queen. Love her. I remember thinking that she was she was like it. I was like, oh, this is my favorite part of the show. If you watched this in time, I know we talked about how we don't know if we would have liked the episode at all like in, in in all I mean if we would have liked the episode in all right but do you think that you would have watched private practice after seeing this taste of it so I think I would have you know I was young I had plenty of time I wasn't busy with the obligations of adulthood yet if I had been on the fence I think Finding out that Audra McDonald, Broadway royalty, was going to be a series regular once it was picked up for series would have gotten me on board fully. So Sam, we're going to talk about fashion from this episode. What are your thoughts? Dear listeners, every episode I'm going to... Oh, that's my notebook on my mic every episode I'm going to spotlight one piece of prime 2007 style um this time my spotlight is on the second episode of the backdoor pilot starting at about 1636 we see violet in a cow print shirt with a ribbon short sleeve peasant sweater and to me that is prime I have special mentions here to Addison's bump it if we remember, bumpets were little things you put in your hair to make it seem taller. They're, they can be seen also in the um, very popular MTV reality show, Jersey Shore. But Addie has a bump it in. She doesn't normally have a bump it in, but she has one here. And also, Dell's short sleeve graphic tee under a patterned button down. Very 2007. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that, epi- that shirt that Violet's in for the whole second episode is wild. So every episode, I will be spotlighting a guest star that I fell in love with during the episode. Now, fair warning, sometimes it may be a co-star rather than a guest star, as today's is. Today, I am spotlighting Mary Joy, who was the voice of Tilly the Elevator God. As I mentioned, I thought she had such a fun role, a lightness and a comedy and And I just smiled whenever we were in the elevator, both knowing that she would be back eventually and hoping that she would be. The anticipation was so exciting to me. You listeners may know Mary Joy as 
a guest star on so many classic TV shows. She's been on everything. NYPD Blue, Boston Public, ER, Gilmore Girls, Law and Order, Veep, Smash even as a stage manager. What a star. She's in the film Secretary, The Rundown, Fatal Attraction, and so many more. Also a star of the stage. She has worked at Playwrights Horizons, The Vineyard Theater, 59 East 59, South Coast Rep, and so many more. Another fun fact, Mary's daughter, Ruby Joy, is also an actor. A lot of fun in the fam. I love that. Shall we do some trivia, Sam? Sure. 21.23 million viewers turned into this two-part episode. That is a lot of people. That is a lot of people. Another fun fact, these episodes feature guest appearances by two future series regulars on Scandal, another Shondaland hit, Jeff Perry, who plays Meredith Grey's father, Thatcher, and Bellamy Young, who plays Kathy, the patient's wife. These are the first Grey's Anatomy episodes to include present-day scenes taking place outside of Seattle, Washington. Of the six private practice actors to guest star on these Grey's Anatomy episodes, five, plus Grey's Anatomy's Kate Walsh, continued on as series regulars when private practice was picked up. Marin Dungy, however, was replaced by Audra McDonald for creative reasons. That said, I thought Marin was excellent in this episode, and she's had... She's had a very successful career. She was on King of Queens, Alias, Malcolm in the Middle, Summerland. She was Ursula on Once Upon a Time. She starred on Conviction. And most recently, she appeared on another medical drama, The Resident. Oh, yeah, with um, Logan from Gilmore Girls. Correct. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I think that she was incredible. I'm sure that it was a scheduling thing or some just something, I'm sure. Okay, so... Instead of like A plus, B plus ratings, we are going to do our own special rating system of how we feel this episode is. Or these two. Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? I can go first. So I have this episode as two beautiful beach houses standing next to each other. Both beautiful, both lavish. However, one very modern and one very classic. Top of the line, but not necessarily cohesive on the same block. Okay. Okay, I see it. I see it. So my imagery for these episodes is your first time on water skis. Ooh. It's a little wobbly, a little wobbly, but it's really fun. Who's your MVP, Sam? I want to say Meredith, but she's not in private mm. practice. I really think that Meredith deserves it because of what she had to go through with Thatcher and Susan dying. And then my, my runner-up would be Mark because of how... He is so protective over Addison. But I think if I'm not, if I'm going with someone in the private, in LA, I do think that I would go with Naomi for everything that's thrown at her this episode, with her having to tell her best friend that she can't conceive, with her husband, you know, not being so great, with her, that speech in her kitchen where she, says that she did everything right but it didn't work i think i think naomi but i do think if if i had to pick everyone it would be meredith but naomi for my la peeps naomi's my mvp as well that monologue in the kitchen really got me i was rooting for her again she's going through a lot and she is handling it really well she's Again, like I said earlier, she feels like a voice of reason in this Los Angeles world. She is often stuck 
delivering the information that people don't necessarily want to hear, but doing it with total grace. So, Naomi. And shout out to Marin for nailing it. Yes, she was absolutely incredible. Um, hey, if you ever want to come on the pod on the podcast, Marin, you're welcome. Yes, to. we love you. So now we are moving on to Jackson's Jukebox, a special segment where I will predict what's to come in the near future on Private Practice. So here's what I think is going to happen in the first few episodes of season one of Private Practice. First of all, I think Addison's going to move to LA to work at Oceanside Wellness. That's pretty much a given because that's the premise of the whole series. But, you know, I haven't seen it, so I don't know for sure. Maybe she'll just go to L.A. Second, I think she and Pete are going to have a fling. Third, I think Tilly the Elevator God is going to make a triumphant return for just a few episodes and then get phased out with no explanation before the end of the season. That's my guess. And also, I think Cooper and Violet are going to have a fling as well. And that's Jackson's jukebox. Okay. Okay. That's all I'm saying is okay. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at bhabpodcast and be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Anchor to be the first to hear future episodes. You can find me on Instagram at all.that.jax. And you can follow me at Samantha G. Harris on all social media. If you'd like to support Beach Houses and Babies, please consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash bhabpodcast. On our next episode, we'll be discussing Private Practice Season 1, Episodes 1 and 2. They are available to stream on Netflix and Hulu, or can be purchased on iTunes, Amazon, DVD, and more. If you have thoughts you'd like to share on these episodes, please DM us on Instagram at bhabpodcast, or email us at bhabpodcast at gmail.com to be featured on our listener mail segment. I would love to get mail. Please tell us what you think. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. In the meantime, stay safe, wear a mask, and vote. If you don't know if you're registered to vote, you can go to vote.org to check your registration and depending on what state you live in you might still be eligible to register in time for the election if you are registered and i hope you're registered and you want to see your sample ballot you have any questions about where your polling place is anything like that you can go to votesaveamerica.com and they will help you there please vote you can send us pictures of you voting not in the booth but after with your cute little sticker or in front of your polling place just to let us know because the best private podcast fans vote yes they do all right tgit later bye bye